we've all been talking about law enforcement for a long time in this country. The defund the police movement was uh, was a big movement. The um, the generalized morale, low morale of police, is also a big thing happening in this country. And because of that, I had to have uh, Major Travis Yates back on. Friend of mine, Tulsa PD, been doing it for a long time. Travis, how are you? It's good to see you. Man, how's the hardest working man in radio doing? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll ask him if I see him, but <laughs> I, I'm trying to do my best. Um, I know that you've got a podcast now. It's called Courageous Leadership. Go to TravisYates.org. TravisYates.org. Go check that out. Um, you were just telling me before we started, 30 years in law enforcement? Today's the day, man. The 30th anniversary. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing. Crazy. Well, let's... let's. If I, if I would have told you, Joe, what we used to do 30 years ago, which was actual police work and how effective it was, you just wouldn't believe it. It's like you're reading my mind. I was going to say, let's reflect on when you started and where yeah. we are now. It's it's got to be 180 degrees different. Well, listen, we had a note, we had a we had a pen and a piece of paper and sometimes a walkie sometimes a mobile radio was about it and we just did police work and it was pretty effective. People know what happened in the 90s and early 2000s how low violent crime was. Uh, the joke, the role of police is, is it's one mission. It's to reduce crime, put criminals in jail and make the community safer. And when we had that simple mission, it certainly seemed like it seemed to work. And uh, where it's gone today is uh, I can't even tell you the stark difference. It's it's people will ask me, Joel, are you going to when you're going to retire? You're going to retire. You know, when you get old like me, that's what they ask you. <laughs> and uh, I would like to. But kind of my burden is if I left today, Joe, it'd be the first generation in law enforcement since our existence that is worse off today than it was when I started. So I kind of have a burden to kind of stay a little longer and see if we can make some improvements. Major Travis Yates, the uh, Tulsa PD, go to TravisYates.org. Check out his podcast called Courageous Leadership. Um, you and I have talked about this a million times. You and I are going to agree on everything today. Having said that, <laughs> there's a major problem in this country when it comes to crime, especially the big cities, especially the urban areas where you've got organizations like Black Lives Matter that literally in Chicago a week and a half ago said, look, if you loot the Gucci, that's reparations. Travis, why would anybody want to be a police officer in a big city that's riddled with crime and you've got no support in City Hall? Uh, well, they don't, Joe. And and all the organizations are telling us that there's a 47 percent increase in retirements. There's a 19 percent increase in people leaving before retirement. That's really uh, what's hurting law enforcement. We know people retire one day, but uh, I've been in classrooms all over this country in recent months. And I always ask the class, how many here know somebody that meant to do 20, 25, 30 years in this profession that left early and every single hand goes up in the air? Uh, I think the American people are being duped. The media is kind of slow playing this and not telling them how critical it is, how bad it is. I will tell you from being in classrooms with law enforcement across the country, we're, it's a terrible, terrible place to be. And uh, to get back to that, it's going to take a lot of work, but it's also going to take a lot of support that can start from the communities. I don't expect politicians to ever do the right thing. Right. So communities have to demand effective and constitutional policing. Yeah, but I mean, how do you even know what the community wants when in Minneapolis, the city hall says, we're going to defund the police. Then they defund the police yeah. and then they call the police chief in and say, hey, why do we have increasing crime? And the police chief says, well, well you, you defunded the police. No, he didn't. What are you talking about? We need a reduction in crime and you, we need you to do it. And they've got reduced money coming in. Travis, it's a game they're playing. They want safety and security so they can say, look, look how safe and secure the city is. At the same time, they want to demonize police and act like they're the problem. So how do you deal with that? Well, the, what's going to have to happen from grassroots, communities are not being spoken for, Joe. In, in communities with high crime, no community member in that community ever wants less police and wants less effective police. So you've got these talking heads in these communities that say they speak for the communities, and they don't. 
And, and, you know, Austin's a prime example. You know, Austin went down this defund and defame police movement. I guess they, they look at Portland, Seattle, and we, we, we want to be like the cool kids. And, of course, their violent crime got to an all-time high relatively quick, quick, quick. And, of course, that shouldn't shock anybody. So they ended up having to call in the Texas Department of Public Safety. Now, the mayor called them in. The state officials called them in. The city council called them in. And they said, where's all your crime at? And they pointed them to where the crime was. And within four weeks, they had reduced violent crime in that city to below the normal levels prior to 2020. But you know what they're saying now? Not the people that live in the community, the politicians and the activists. Oh, no. You're arresting 90 percent African-American Latinos. You can't do that. And Texas DPS and I got to give the commissioner credit. He goes, this is where crime is. If you want us to stop crime, we have to go to areas where crime is. And the mayor who called them in and told them where, to, where the violent crime was is now saying we're going to send them to other parts of the city so we can even out this policing. This is not over policing, Joe. It's over protection. People in these communities want police there and no one's speaking for them. And uh, thankfully, folks like you are trying to, but they're going to have to rise up because the people that say they are for them and support them, they clearly aren't because high crime does affect uh, minority communities at a much higher rate in this country. And they are the ones that are suffering and we need to fight for them. That's the catch-22. You send the police where the crime is. You make those cities and those parts of the city safer. So the minority community there, black and Hispanic, are going to be safer now because the bad guys doing bad things are off the street. But there's some idiot in City Hall or some idiot in some organization, Antifa or whatever, that's counting percentages. Well, 90% are black or Hispanic. Right. Well, they did 90% of the the crime. The other 10% was done by other then. So why would you possibly send DPS where there's no crime happening and say, look, we feel better now? Yeah, it's this silly thing we're seeing all over the country. Uh, I'm the I'm CEO of an organization called the Courageous Police Leadership Alliance, and we have these core principles for leaders. And one of them is huge. We see it violated all the time. And it's don't let emotions supersede facts. And that's what we're seeing here. The facts are in Austin and many other big cities where pockets of violent crime are, they're disproportionately affecting minority communities. So the police need to be there to protect those communities. Meanwhile, the emotion says, oh, we don't like all these minorities being arrested. By the way, they're not saying they're not violating the law, Joe. They're not saying they're being, you know, taken to jail for no reason. They literally are violating the law. And that's not the fault of the police or anybody else. There's there's a whole bunch of sociological issues on right. why that's happening. Right. But we're let these emotions, these feel good things, because it sounds great, right? Oh, we just want an even amount of policing. We want it, every race to be policed the same. That makes literally no sense if there's no crime in certain areas right. or through certain communities. You've got to deploy law enforcement where crime is. That's why violent crime was reduced so greatly in the 90s and 2000s through the Comstat programs, because we were using data. We were using facts to deploy officers. We got away from that to this so-called equity or whatever you call it. Equity may be fine at Coca-Cola or Bud Light, but when it comes to crime and safety, the only equity we get is when everybody is safe, yep. as safe as possible. And to do that, you just can't look at those kind of numbers. He's a Tulsa PD commander. It's Major uh, Travis Yates. Go to TravisYates.org. Check out his podcast, Courageous Leadership, as well. Travis, we're seeing these, these videos coming out way too often now of... 200 young people, 15 to 25 years old, going to Target, ransacking the place, burning it down, looting it completely. Walmart, the same thing. Even convenience stores, are, it's happening now in L.A. And those companies are saying, we're not going to come back. We're just, yeah. we're, we're going to leave. So, so here's the, the, the ridiculous position they're put in. If they say we're going to be there, but the police aren't able to go and stop these crimes, 
then they have to lose money just to stay in town. If they say they're going to leave, they're being called racist. So if you were the commander of the police in Chicago and L.A. and other cities where this is happening, what would you do? I mean, would you line up police in the front of these stores? Would you would you uh, enable somebody to be deputized inside the store? What do you do to stop this? Because I'm, I, I can't watch it anymore. It's nuts. Well, it's a new phenomenon, and it's a new phenomenon because there are no – there are no penalties for doing it. So, I mean, why, we're the suckers for going in stores and paying for stuff, Joe. And so people, right. criminals are not stupid. If they think, hey, I can do this and get away with it, there's no repercussions for it. They're absolutely going to do it. And the police aren't going to, their hands are tied. They're scared to death. They're not going to do anything. So what you have to do is get back to police work, get back to safety. And yes, you have to deploy resources to stop that. And trust me, there's plenty of communities where this isn't happening because that's exactly what they're doing. So it's, it's a lie for the politicians in those cities to say that there's nothing we can do because they know there's something they can do. If there wasn't something they could do, then why is this just now happening? It's because of how they've treated the police, the defund and defame movement where they've handcuffed police and police are not given the authority or resources to go in and deal with that. So give the police the resources and let them go deal with it. And that's what they do. That's why taxpayers pay money that for to, for safety. And we've just violated every one of those tenants in recent years. It's uh, Major Travis Yates. Go to TravisYates.org. TravisYates.org. Go check out Courageous Leadership. Great podcast. Uh, you're a very deep thinker when it comes to policing. You know that these people that are pushing DEI and ESG and, and equity and all this crap at these city halls and these Soros-basically um, financed DAs aren't upholding the law. How do you play their own game, Travis, and make sure policing can be done in these cities? I don't want to see 40 or 50 more young black people die this weekend in Chicago. I don't want to see that. It's going to happen, but I don't want to see it. So how do you convince them use playing their own game? That walking after a suspect isn't going to work out. Where police shouldn't arrive, it should be a psychologist instead. That's not going to happen. How do you make these city halls, these DAs, change their tune while making them think they're still getting away with what they tried to do? Can, can we do both? If the community is aware of what they're doing and what they're doing to law enforcement, they're going to be much less apt to actually do it. The problem we have in most municipalities is, is your chief works for the mayor. Your commanders are at will with the chief. And so they all just fall in line to whatever's going on. So what it's going to take is it's going to take a little bit of pain, Joe. You will not escape this without some bruising. I certainly have gotten some bruising in my lifetime doing this job. You have to stand up to these bullies, stand up to these people that don't want, quite frankly, many minorities to be safe. It's shocking to me how many minorities are victimized because of this that nobody wants to talk about. You can talk about equity all day long, but how about the equity and who's victimized a crime? In this country right now as I speak, if you're an African-American male, you're about seven times more likely to be murdered than a white male. No one's speaking for those victims. No one's speaking for those families. So if no one's going to speak for them, we need to be the ones to speak for them. Law enforcement needs to grow up. They need to stand up to these folks. I don't care if you work for them. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And it's going to take courageous leadership. And sometimes your your boss isn't going to like that. But if enough people can do it, Joe, entire departments can do it. What are they going to do? If the entire department says this is this is not I'm not talking about the union. Everybody knows the union should be speaking up. I'm talking the officers in those departments that dedicate their life to, to giving those communities a safer environment. They're going to have to start speaking up. Damn the consequences, because lives are at stake here. I'm with you, but it just seems so frustrating because when you had the mm-hmm. chopper, the Chaz in Seattle, 
And the police chief said, this can't be happening in our city. City Hall made her leave them alone. And these people had a six-block patch of Seattle that they owned. People were dying of overdoses in there. People were being raped and police wouldn't go. Travis, I'm told that today, two years after George Floyd, or two and a half years, almost three years after George Floyd, there is an autonomous zone in Minneapolis that's run by one of the, either the Crips or the Bloods or somebody. And nobody can go, the police can't go in. What, what am I missing here? Well, that's where I disagree, Joe. In my 30 years on this job, no politicians told me how to be a police officer. No politician is going to get in the way of my oath of did, office. Did they try? I don't care what. Did they try? They could, they could certainly try. But guess who has the authority to enforce the law in cities? Not mayors, not city councilors, not activists. It's law enforcement. So they can try all day long. So if whatever chief is saying they can't do it because such and such doesn't let me, he's a coward because he can do it. And let them go reduce crime and let the, go, let the politicians go tell their communities, we don't want this reduced crime. No, no. You've got to be law enforcement. I don't care who's telling you not to do it. That's why we do this job. And we got to stop waiting for politicians to wake up and city councilors to wake up and activists to start waking up. Our mission is directly opposite of these folks, Joe. Our mission is to reduce crime. Everyone else's mission is telling us what to do. That's not their mission. So we need to quit even participating with them, quit even acknowledging them, go to work. We know who the bad guys are. We know where the violent crime is and get after it. And if they get upset, then we've got to give them facts after facts after facts, not to them, to the community of why we're doing it. You know, it's amazing. I mean, everything you say, as I said earlier on in the in the uh, interview, I'm going to agree with you on everything. Yet we just can't seem to get it done in these cities. And the reason why is that there's so much money coming in from these globalists and these WEF idiots and the people who don't want law and order. Um, I think I've asked you this before. I'll ask you again anyway. Why do you think of George Soros or the other big financiers of these far left-wing movements, why do you think they want anarchy in the streets? Why do you think they want police to be the bad guy? Why do you think they want more crime? What do they gain? Well, here's what it's, – it's a long game that they've accelerated in recent years. I think they saw an opportunity with Trump and they saw opportunity with the George Floyd incident to really accelerate this. It's been going on for a long time. I'll give you an example, Joe. In 1994, that's how long this goes back, in the 1994 crime bill that then-President Clinton signed that now President Biden was the huge supporter of, they placed uh, some language in that bill that gave the federal government the authority to investigate local law enforcement for what they call pattern and practice with civil rights abuses. Now, they don't define what a pattern and practice is. I'll give you an example of a pattern and practice. They just placed one of these consent decrees in Louisville, and they looked at their data, and they looked at their videos and reports for a decade. They found 64 incidents that they didn't like. They didn't tell us what they didn't like about them, but they said that 11 of them was biased action by the police department. Now, I don't think any corporation or organization over a 10-year period meeting millions and millions of citizens in yeah. contacts could pass that pattern and practice mustard. But the city and the community members, when they read this report, which was very damning against Louisville, said, well, give us the give us the specifics. Give us your research methodology. Tell us what's going on. And the Department of Justice refused, and that's because they have no case. There's not one consent decree in this country that was placed there where there wasn't a willing and able mayor that said, please come in and help us. Yeah. Well, you're going to ask me why I mentioned consent decrees, because it's a side door to the defund movement, which will destroy cities. There's not one city under consent decree, and there's many of them out there. By the way, they, they never go away. Uh, that you will go on a vacation. It turns every city into a hellhole. 
crime skyrockets, police leave. We have 30 years of data to know this. So they're not going in there to make Louisville better. They're going in there to destroy another city. And by the time President Biden's done, he will do more than any other president. Obama did have the record at 15. Now, why are they, why are that, why is that combined with Soros? Why do our own American citizens want to destroy American cities? Well, look what the federal government wants. They want control. And the best way to get control of any city, Joe, is to take over law enforcement to be because long. Think about it. Law enforcement is sort of that that line in the sand of, no, you can't do that. Well, if the federal government can take that over, they can pretty much do whatever they want. People may not believe me. Oh, I don't know. Let's look at COVID. We were arresting soccer moms for playing on the oh, beach, yeah. right? And yeah. so so we, we, we know what the federal government will do if they get a chance. And so once anarchy occurs, guess who gets to come save the day or say they will? Hey, we're the federal government. We're here to help. So what they're trying to march towards is a national police force. Now, people will go, Travis, that's crazy. We have states' rights in, the, in, our, in our Constitution. Every state and local locality gets to operate autonomously. Well, I wonder who's been talking about expanding the Supreme Court lately. Oh, yeah, that's right. The same politicians in Washington, D.C. that was talking about defund police. Right. They don't, and they tell you it's about abortion. It's not about abortion. It's about gutting states' rights. So we have federal government that can control every single American uh, in this country, and they're going to, and they want to start with law enforcement. So if the federal government can sow discord and distrust, and they've done a really good job of that so far, but on top of that, make crime go out of control, they can then say, we have to come in and help you. We have to save you. And consent decrees are the first level in doing that because that's what they do in those cities. But they want that in all cities. And that's why you're seeing that. And that would mean huge control at central government. You're right. It is uh, uh, Major Travis Yates. Go to TravisYates.org. TravisYates.org. Go check out his uh, podcast, Courageous Leadership. Travis, thanks a million. Congratulations on 30 years. And, uh, and keep you. on telling the truth, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate what you do, Joe. Thanks, thanks a lot. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Hi, great to have you. We appreciate Travis Yates coming back on. Uh, keep in mind, tomorrow it'll be Megan Kelly on the program. We're going to talk about Tucker. We're going to talk about how she's come out against the trans community, stealing opportunities from women, and much more. we got to get out of here for now. That is Sam. That is Carrie. That's Polo. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. This is the Joe Pegg Show.